and amen. Church, I am so excited as we're in a series called Invest in What Matters Most. And let me start by saying this. What if I told you that many of you, whether you're watching online or you're in the room, many of you may very well suffer from something called nomophobia. Yeah, it's true. Now, you might be thinking, wait a minute, Pastor, I'm not, I don't have a fear of gnomes, so, you know, but, well, you should, actually, because they're in the same family with clowns and dolls, all evil, but uh, it is not fear of gnomes. Let me tell you what it is, and then you can assess whether you have that fear or not. Nomophobia, the fear of being separated from your phone. Anybody got that? No one's going to admit it. I know that, We're in, but some of you are checking your pockets. Oh, do I got my phone? Yeah, so separated from your phone. And you already know who you are. You're, you're the person, or I'm the person sometimes. We drive and we're going somewhere. You could be a half hour away from your house and realize you forgot your phone, you're turning back. No one's going to stop you. It doesn't matter what you miss. It doesn't matter what the appointment is. You're turning back. And like I said, I can be guilty too. If I lose my phone, like it's, it's one thing to lose your keys. That's never fun. It's one thing to lose your wallet or your purse. That's serious. But if I lose my phone at my house... I'm like, everybody, stop what you're doing, okay? Somebody needs to call my phone, and it's on vibrate, so this is going to be very hard to find. I just, I don't know why I make it so difficult, but it's, we, it, it's such a serious big thing to us. And you know what else freaks us out? Is when our phone looks like this picture over here, when the battery is low, yeah, that scares people. You'll do whatever it takes to find a charger. Beg, borrow, steal. Because if that goes dead, and, and this is where I am guilty. Because I rely heavily on GPS. I don't know about you. It wasn't that long ago I was driving and my phone wasn't charging. Because I buy cheap chargers. And I'll never learn. But it wasn't charging. And I'm like, God, if this thing goes dead, like, I literally need Jesus to take the wheel. Because if you don't, we're heading to a ditch together. I mean, it's serious. So, but here's, here's what gets me about all this. We'll do whatever it takes to make sure our phone is connected, make sure our phone is charged, and neglect even charging ourselves. How many of you, how many of you watching online, you're running on empty? Like, you're running in the red. You are on low. And you, maybe you don't even know that. But that's what this series is all about. Investing in what matters most. And can I tell you what matters most? You do. You matter most to you, or at least you should. And that's not a selfish statement. That is a spiritual statement. And I can tell you that because Jesus himself said what the first and greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with everything and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said those who are equally important. So to not pour into you, to not pour into yourself... I mean, we're missing something. And, and so we need to be connected, right, charged up. And you connect, we need to connect with God, and we need to connect with others. That's what Jesus is saying there. You got, if you're not connected to God, you're in trouble. And, and you might be thinking, well, I'm connected to God, I'm in church, I'm, I'm listening. And that's great. But if you neglect the other part, you're missing out. Last week, I mean, the message, if you missed it, I want to encourage you to go back and check it out. We looked at a relationship between David, the future king of Israel, and Jonathan. These two became so close. And if it wasn't for Jonathan and David's life, David would never become king. We don't know what would have happened with David. But that's how huge it was. So, th so I'm going to kind of continue the story today with you. And here's what I will tell you. David did become king. 
And David was a good king. I mean, right away, things were awesome. They're winning battles. David's popular. He's got a lot of followers. He's verified on Instagram. It's all, he's in, he's, everything's going well. And maybe, maybe that's you right now. Maybe you didn't come to church because your life is falling apart or your marriage is falling apart. But you just came because that's what you do sometimes. And everything in your life is going well. I mean, the marriage is good. The kids are good. Job is good. 401k, well, that's not good. But you got time on your side, right? So things are good. But here's what I know. It's, it's when things are good that we're most tempted to stray from God. Did you know that? That's exactly what happened to David. Things were hitting on all cylinders. And, and that's when we let our guard down. And I, I'm convinced that's when your guard needs to be up. So David, I'm going to, let me just summarize what happened, and then we'll get into more scripture. David, as things were going good, David started to make some bad decisions. And we always say you're one decision away from changing the direction of your life forever. For, forever. And that's either good or bad, right? David makes a decision to stay at the palace while the army's in battle. And, and that's not customary. The, the king is normally with the army, but David's not. So as they're fighting, David's back at the palace, and he, he sees a woman bathing on a rooftop. Because why, why wouldn't you do that, right? So she's, he sees her, and he does a double take, and then he does a triple take, and, he, and pretty soon he starts to covet. He starts to want her, even though she's already taken. She's already married, right? And she's married to Uriah, who's in the army, the guy that's over there fighting right now for Israel. So David has, commits adultery with Bathsheba, is her name. And, and she gets pregnant. I mean, this is, this is, you can't make this stuff up. She gets pregnant, and David hatches a plan to try to cover it up like he wasn't involved. It wasn't me. But his plan doesn't work. It doesn't work, and he's running out of options. He's freaking out. So he decides, get this, one decision away, he decides to kill Uriah. Um, not not like, like directly. He tells uh, the commander of the army, go ahead and put Uriah on the front lines where he knows the fighting's going to be fierce. He knows the guys up there don't stand a chance, and Uriah didn't. Uriah was killed. I mean, you think about this. David, in one moment, he, he broke four of the Ten Commandments. It, it, sin, I, I love saying this, sin will fascinate, right? It fascinates us. He was fascinated with Bathsheba. Who's that woman? It'll, it'll fascinate, because sin is fun for a season. If we're being honest, can we get real, right? If sin was never fun for you, you didn't do it right. Well, dang it, I'm going to go back and try to get, don't, no, don't go back and try to get, I'm just saying, you, you, you messed it up, all right. So, but, but it fascinates, and then it assassinates, literally in this case. I, I'm telling you, when David looked at Bathsheba, he never dreamed he would end up where he is, but that's where he was. And I always say sin never happens by accident. He didn't just trip into bed with Bathsheba. He didn't just kind of accidentally have Uriah killed. It never happens by accident. And I wrote this down, I want to I tell you, the sin left unchecked, like David's was, it can be minimalized, it can be rationalized, it can be trivialized. We can become callous to the things that we've done. This is David. So, so now what's happening in David, he's got these secrets. And maybe you've heard the saying, you're only as sick as, see, three of you got it. That's okay. So we're learning together. So you're only as sick as your secrets. And you know why? Because they distance us from God. And when you're distanced from God, you're not well. You're not in many areas, spiritually, emotionally, 
physically. You'll see it with David. I'll show you. I'm going to read out of Psalm 32. So I'm reading the Psalms in my personal time. Just crazy stuff. Psalm 32. David is, is writing about, talking about this, this particular story that we're on. And how he's feeling with, with what he's carrying. He says, when I refused to, to confess. When I refused to get real. To open up. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away. I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy. You can, feel, I mean, you can literally feel the weight on David. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. I just want to illustrate what, what maybe is going on here. I'll invite Destry, my assistant, to come up. Destry, Rachel, somebody thought me and Rachel were married because we're always up here. No, 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 Destry, let's, come on up if you're in here. So, but I want to illustrate what's happening in David's life and what weight can do. All right, so, understand something. Give it up for Destry right here. Look at him. So, Destry, you know this. Well, maybe you don't know this personally, but David so what does he do first? He covets. He wants something that isn't his, and he commits adultery. And the weight begins. Whew, it's going to get heavy. Yeah. Dang, Destry. So it begins, and then it, it, it starts to snowball, because that's what sin will do. And as it snowballs and as it grows, what does he do? Something he never dreamed he would do. Has a person killed. And then, he, then he's covering it up. And there's secrets. And there's sin. And there's more weight. And you feel it in Psalm, what we just read. So you can go ahead and load me up. I was going to do four of them, but it was way too heavy. So anyway, just trust me. This is heavy. So he's carrying. And some of you, this is what you carry. This is, you are so weighted down. And, and you, you know who you are. And I have been there, I'm telling you, this, you can, and we think to ourselves, well, why doesn't he just confess? He went a full year, uh, well, probably, I, I would guess, one of the worst years, thanks, Destry, one of the worst years of his life, as he carries the weight, as he struggles, and I think to myself, he just needs to tell somebody, but it's hard for us to do that, isn't it? It's hard to admit and to look in the mirror. It's hard to confess, though, as I'll tell you, as a pastor, sometimes people will just tell me stuff. And normally it's not you guys, it's people I don't know out in public. This was years ago, I was at a restaurant, and my waitress, doing an awesome job, and I'm like, you are rocking it, you're awesome. And, and she knew, I talked about me being a pastor, and she goes, well, she goes, this, you need to know this isn't even my full-time job. And I said, it's not. I said, what do you do? She goes, I'm a dancer. And I, not even thinking, I'm like, well, where do you dance? Thinking that she maybe teaches kids ballet or elderly people the two-step. No, she wasn't. She was teaching the twirl, okay? It, she, it was. So I'm like, I'm like, so she starts to kind of unload there. And I'm like listening or whatever. And I said, and she goes, I know it's not God's plan. I know it's not. But uh, I just need to get, you know, make this money and, and get to where he wants me to go. And I said, you know what? I'll pray for you for that. And she goes, Pastor, if you're going to pray for me, can you also pray about my, my weed? I'm, I smoke weed every day. And I'm like, oh, boy, let me get my notebook out. And, you know, she's, she just starts confessing these sins to me. But that's not the norm. Most people will not do that. We would, rather than admit it, we, want, we wanted, like David, cover it up. And, and sometimes, many times, in fact, what we do is we'll blame somebody else. We'll deflect, right? It puts the spotlight off us. And, and, and we'll blame, like, it's not my fault. It's my parents' fault. They were like that. That's why I'm like that. This isn't our fault. It's the kids. They don't listen to us when we tell them. 
It's, it's the government. I didn't vote for him. It's the, it's the school system. They're all messed. It's always somebody else. And we've been blaming since the beginning. Since the, I mean, literally the very beginning. I'll show you in Genesis. Remember the first two that walked the earth, Adam and Eve? Listen, you know, the first sin, some of you know they ate this fruit that they weren't supposed to eat. So listen to, this is so funny. It kind of gives us guys kind of a bad name. So here it comes. Um, so they eat the fruit. Eve eats it. She gives it to Adam. He eats it. God shows up. God says in Genesis 3.11, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Now he already knew they did it. He's God. But he wants them to admit it, to confess it. The man replied, typical guy here, uh, it was the woman. It was the, you, you gave me the woman Eve, it was her. She gave me the fruit and I ate it. I mean, we believe that that's why Adam slept on the couch for the rest of his life. Is we, we don't know. So he was the woman. But what, why do I say that? Because we've been deflecting since forever. And David is no different. So now I want to get into the main scripture. It's 2 Samuel 12. And, and I'll pick it up. So it's been a year of struggle. A year of David carrying the weight of the world. And God intervenes. God's, God loves David so much. And he'll do whatever it takes to get him set free. So God uh, connects with a prophet named Nathan. And he tells Nathan, you need to go and, and call David out. You need to go and talk to David and see if he'll confess and see if we can get him to, you know, get set free from this. So Nathan goes in to talk to David and he tells him a story. He gives an illustration about a guy who is not a good guy. He's unrighteous. And David gets worked up. He's like, that guy's a terrible guy. He, he, we, he should be killed. And then Nathan's like, actually, David, you're that guy. You're him. And, and, and this is, Nathan, he took a lot of guts to say this. So in 2 Samuel 12, 7, then Nathan said to David, you're that man. The Lord God of Israel says, I anointed you king of Israel. And saved you from the power of Saul, the previous king. I gave you your master's house and his wives and the kingdom of Israel and Judah. And if that had not been enough, David, I would have given you much, much more. I love it. The God of abundance. Verse 9. Why then have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? You've murdered Uriah, calling him out, the Hittite, with the sword of the Ammonites... And stolen his wife, wife Bathsheba. From this time on, David, because of what you did, your family will, will live by the sword because you've despised me by taking Uriah's wife to be your own. This is a huge moment for David. His response here is going to determine the direction of his life forever. We all make decisions every day that, that impact our life, obviously. But you'll have opportunities throughout your life to make big ones. This is that one. What will David do? Is he, going to, is he going to get mad? Is he going to deflect? Is he going to blame? Is he going to, maybe he's going to, you know, send Nathan to the front lines, if you know what I'm saying. What's he, or will he admit it? Or will he confess? Or will he take ownership? Inquiring minds want to know, what does David do? Well, I'm going to tell you in 2 Samuel 12, 13, then David confessed to Nathan. I've sinned against the Lord, and, Nathan, and listen to Nathan, this is crazy. Nathan replied, yep, but the Lord has forgiven you. And the weight, gone. The, okay, that hurt. But anyway, the weight was gone. The relief that hits him. What, what kills me about what, he, what just happened there is, is, is God. God immediately forgives David. 
Like, there is no penance. He didn't say, all right, now you need to go pray 10 Our Fathers and 10 Hail Marys. and No probation. Didn't have to go pick up trash or, or scoop camel poop or anything like that. There was no probation. It was just immediate confession, authentic, and immediate forgiveness. It's so amazing. So David is forgiven. But God, this is, this is so huge. God didn't just want David forgiven. He wanted him healed. And, and there's a difference. That's why Nathan was part of the story. And, and you'll understand in a second. The Lord immediately forgives. L- listen to James 5, 16. This is the half-brother of Jesus writing this. Confess your sins to each other. Say each other. Each other. Not just to God, but each other. And pray for each other so that what? You may be healed. I'm telling you, God wants you forgiven. But he doesn't just want you forgiven. He wants you healed. I'm uh, writing a book. I have been for a couple years now, so pray for me. I, there's, the focus is a struggle. So, um, but in this book, the whole crux of the book is this. I'm telling a little bit of my story, but also talking about recovery. And, and the kicker is, recovery, we think it's just for the alcoholic, the drug addict, the sex addict, and it's for them, but it's also for you because it's way bigger than what I just said. It addresses past issues, right? Neglect, past abuse, mental illness, codependency, anger. Any of those things resonate with you? It addresses all that. So I'm trying to help people understand like these recovery steps that aren't, aren't really created by man. They're created by God. They're biblical steps. And I show that to you in, in this book. But I want people to know that, that, like, for example, what we're talking about today, step five. There's 12 steps. Step five. I'll, we'll put it up. It says this. We admit to God, to ourselves, and another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. See, people in recovery know that they can't just talk to God about it. That's the first step. But I, and I love how it says another human being, right? Because God knows we're going to, well, I confess to my dog, you know. Well, you know what? Now your dog is jacked up and needs counseling, so knock that off. I mean, so to, it's got to be another person. So key. That's the reason I love life groups so much. That's the reason that we talk about them. Is because they, you're around a safe environment with safe people. And people are opening up and they're getting vulnerable and they're sharing and you heard Matt and Ella talk about it. It's, it's huge. But the key is to share. Because maybe you've been in a life group and you're like, ah, hey, it wasn't that great. Or, or, or you've been in other small groups, maybe at other churches. I'm telling you, if it wasn't great, it, the only reason it wouldn't, wouldn't have been is because you didn't open up. You didn't get real. You can go to a group all day long all you want. But until you start to really open up to others, you get out what you put in. I tell people that all the time. But life groups... That the key is sharing. And I'm telling you, when you admit it, when you admit that you're, you're not who you wish you were, you're not who people think you are, when you admit that you're not okay, it will loosen the grip of the enemy and you will start to experience God's power in your life in a supernatural way. You will experience it. But it starts with us. God doesn't just want to forgive you. He wants to heal you. By the way, unconfessed sin steals your joy. Did you know that? That's what it does. It steals your joy. David wrote multiple psalms. 
regarding his encounter and his sins in this whole scenario that we're talking about. One of them, he wrote this, Psalm 51. I'll give you bits and pieces of it. Psalm 51, right after Nathan called him out. Listen to this. Psalm 51, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sin. Listen to him, own it. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize I'm admitting my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. The weight is heavy day and night. Against you, God, and you alone, I've sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. Don't keep me looking at my sins, God. Remove the stain from my guilt. Create in me a clean heart. That's a great prayer. Oh, God, renew a loyal spirit in me. David appeals to God's mercy and God's love and God's grace. By the way, thank God for that Nathan was obedient because he he risked himself to to go go and call David out. But this is how God works through people. God, as he calls Nathan to go in there and call David out, I mean, these connections, like I believe you're one relationship away. You're one relationship away from a better marriage. You're one confession away from overcoming the addiction in your life. You're one connection away from changing the direction of your life forever. I'm telling you, the people you hang out with will determine the story that you one day tell in your life. Guarantee you. So huge that we get this. So so what about you in your life, in your story, in the weight that you carry? Like, who do you go to in a real way? Not a fake way. Not, a, not I'm wearing a mask way. In a real way. Like, when your child is getting rushed to the ER, who do you call? Like, when your job is all of a sudden eliminated, who are you going to? When you're diagnosed with the disease that you thought only other people got, who do you confide in? This is, this, who is it for you? Our life groups... The, I, this story is so fresh, but I, and I can't share a lot of details because I haven't talked to the people, but I was blown away this week at the power of God, at the miraculous power of God. A month ago, there was a couple, and it was over. Been married for years, and, and it, it, it was just, both of them were committed to not being committed anymore. So, and, and when that happens, I mean, I remember leaving a conversation with him, we, we had a meal together, and we're talking, and we're praying. And after I left, I walked out, and I'm like, well, God, it, 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 unless you show up in a miraculous way, almost like I didn't believe God was going, going to do it. God did it. So this week, I meet with a couple. God's brought them back together. And guess what? Both of them are in individual life groups where people are pouring into them, encouraging them, loving them. I'm telling you, life groups, they're... I, we, we don't push these or encourage you to join one to, to make it inconvenient for you or make your life, like, more hectic and more busy. I'm telling you, 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 you cut something out to make them a priority. I don't know who I'm preaching to. They're, like uh, Rachel said, there are sign-up sheets in the Welcome Center. You can look at all the different life groups. Um, you can go online to the life group tab and look that way as well. You can text life group, all one word, to 474747. I don't care how you do it. I'm just, I'm just praying that you will take that step. 
and if it feels kind of uh, uncomfortable, good. That's when you're going to grow. That's how you grow. So consider that. Check them out. And for the person here today thinking that maybe you've done something so heinous and so bad, you're doubting even God's forgiveness in your life. Doubting if he could forgive a wretch like you who did these horrible things with the secrets that you carry. If that's how you're feeling, look back to David. If God can forgive an adulterous murderer, don't you think his grace is enough for you? I talk to people all the time who carry burdens and they're not only confessing to other people, but they think God's given up on them. And you can almost hear it in David's pleas, pleas as well, what he thinks. By the way, when I look at the life of Jesus, you know who he really leaned into? It, it was the people that got real. The people that opened up. They got vulnerable. He leaned into them. You can see who he called as his disciples, as his followers. Hanging out with the sinners and the rejects. They were real. They knew they weren't righteous and they admitted it. And Jesus is like, I'll, I'll take you. When, we admit, when you admit, you know what? I'm struggling with pornography. And Jesus is like, I'll take you. I'm struggling with, with a secret of my own. And you open up to God and Jesus is like, I'll take you. Struggling, maybe I gossip about others behind their back. God, I'm struggling. And Jesus is like, you're forgiven. I'll take you. Every, we see numerous examples in the word of God. God, I've done those things. I've hurt those people. I carry secrets with me everywhere. And Jesus is like, I'll take you. Follow me. Jesus is like none other. I wrote it down. You and I, we've, got, we've all got the same problem. And we all need the same solution. Jesus. One name above every name. The center of what we preach every week. Of where we want to point you to every week. 1 John 1, 9. John was one of the closest disciples to Jesus. Listen to what he says. But if we confess our sins to him, oh, he's faithful. Just to forgive and cleanse us, just like David asked for. Cleanse us from all wickedness. I love that. The first step in confession is going to God. And for some of you, that's your next step. And we want to pray with you. We want to pray for you. The prayer team will be up here after the service, prayer room, for more intimate, confidential stuff. God wants to forgive you. This is what, this is what Jesus came for. This is why Jesus came to earth, why God sent him. So you wouldn't have to carry this crap anymore. So you wouldn't have to lift this burden anymore. Jesus lifted it. Jesus has already done it. The good news of Jesus. It's amazing. But yet I, I'm, I'm convinced. I'm reading a book right now called The Unsaved Christian. And, and the whole concept is, is that many of us, we bought into cultural Christianity. It means that, uh, you know, we believe in God and we, we don't really live a good life. So we're good. But many, there's a lot of people who believe in God and are living good lives who will never spend forever with Jesus and others. Did you know that? Jesus. Say Jesus. Jesus. 
you'll never be good enough and neither will I. That's why he came. The cross, what, what's it about? Taking this from you. Taking it all from you. Cleanse me. Blot out my stain and my sin. As David cries out, I cry out to God too sometimes. I'm like, God, I need you. And then I'm reminded, he's already answered. It's, I don't have to pray that something's going to happen. It's already happened. Our faith isn't about what's going to happen in the future. It's about what happened on a hill called Calvary. That's where Jesus died, willingly for you and for me. So we wouldn't have to carry this. Dies, but the, the key to salvation and trusting in Christ is believing that he rose three days later. And he did. And that's amazing. And when you put your faith and trust in that, and you ask God, just like John wrote, you ask him to forgive you, you gotta, you gotta ask him. When you ask him to, you can be confident he will. If you're repentant, that just means that you're, you're real. You don't wanna do it anymore. He forgives. It's why I get to be a pastor today. Many of you know my story. When I gave my life to Christ for real, because I made decisions all the time. Decisions at 12 years old, 15 years old, 21 years old, 24 years old. You know, twice when I was 27, really jacked up year. But I mean, I've made all the decisions. It starts with the decision. But it's when I surrendered. And I, I, and I felt so worthless because I walked into church one day carrying this. And I, it, I was so burdened. And I, and I even said, God, I'm so worthless. I don't get why you would die for me. And it's like God said, I, I did it and I do it again. And that blew me away. And that's what he says to you today. Your goodness doesn't save you. A relationship with Jesus saves you. And the next step, you already know this, the next step is declaring it to others through baptism. So my prayer, and I've been praying this all week for you. I knew this message would hit a little heavier because if we're honest, we've all got some secret something God wants you to get real with him first and, and then with another person eventually and it may, that may not happen immediately but I promise you if you keep pursuing God it will happen he will put a Nathan in your life and it will be amazing it won't be easy but it will be amazing I'm going to pray for you in a minute but as I thought about the good news of Jesus we live in such a dark place and maybe you're in a dark place today watching, listening, here in the room. The good news of Jesus, do you know what it is? It's light in your darkness. That's what it brings. Light, in, it is strength in your weakness. Hope when you're hurting. Grace for your guilt. Healing for your soul. The good news is joy for all people. Not just on Christmas time, but every time, all the time. Father, in your name, we thank you for your word and your truth. God, the story of David, I think we can relate. I can relate to his dysfunction. I can relate to messing up. I can relate to covering up. There are people here today, God, and they're carrying things that, that, that no one else knows about, but you do. And, and what you're asking is that they will just get real before you today. And who knows, maybe they'll take that next step and let the prayer team lift them up in prayer and pray for them and take that next step 
and check out the life groups. Never thought about it before. Never thought I'd be part of a small group, but Father, would you have your way? David was one of the greatest kings of Israel. That doesn't happen if he carries weight around with him all the time. Today we're dropping the weight. Today we're dropping the bags. Today, God, we're giving it to you. Jesus, thank you for saving us and setting us free. It is your name above every name that does what only you can do. We'll, we'll never be good enough. We can't be. But here's the thing. You are, and you always will be. So, Father, I'm praying for next steps. We always say, Father, the most important part of the message isn't the message. It's what we do with it. Work in our lives, God. Move in our lives. We love you. We thank you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen.